0: I was uh, brought up on King James and so that's what I use for my quiet time and what I preach from and you may have some other translation I don't like the word uh, or the the abbreviation KJV because that says stands for King James version and uh, there's really only one version of the Bible and that's the original transcripts Now there's many translations, one of which is King James, and uh, most of the people in this church, I think, use the uh, NASB, uh, the New American Standard Bible. And um, I'm glad that we do have these translations because the original scriptures, from my understanding, were written in three languages, in Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of it in the Old Testament and Aramaic. And uh, I cannot understand any of those languages. So I'm very thankful for the learned people who have spent years studying those languages and translating them into English. And uh, as our English language uh, grows in uh, time... Uh, Some of the words mean different things today than they they did when I was young. And uh, even when King James was around, uh, they meant definitely some different things. And so we have a lot of new translations, which is good. I need all the help I can get to uh, understand what God has said. Now, I've given you time now to find Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to start with uh, verse number 1. And it says, there drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Now, this is Jesus. You may want to make a, if you're taking notes, you may want to start making an S. Because I like alliterations, and I've used a lot of S's in the outline of the message for tonight. And uh, the first S is the setting. Now, to determine the setting for verse of chapter 15, you've got to look back into chapter 14. And if you go back to 25, verse 25 of uh, chapter 14, it says, And there was a great multitude with him, that's Jesus, and he turned and said unto them. And so he was speaking to this great multitude, and his words go from verse 26 of chapter 14, all through the end of that chapter, verse number 35, and then we get uh, chapter 15. So the first S is the setting, and Jesus was teaching the multitudes. And then as we get to chapter 15, verses one and two, says, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, I put another S in here. And uh, as I see the sinners and publicans, now that's not republicans. That's publicans and sinners. I could make a comment, but I won't. Um, But publicans are basically uh, tax collectors, and uh, so they drew near to hear him. And for the S yes I used here, it was a sincere motive. They wanted to hear the Lord Jesus. They wanted to hear what he said and how it applied in their lives. Now, uh, he went on then in verse uh, number two to speak of the scribes and Pharisees. So there's another S there, scribes and Pharisees. And uh, the scribes and Pharisees Pretty much came not to hear him, but to criticize him. And uh, you will see that uh, in verse number two. And um, so the scribes were the uh, experts, quote unquote, on the Old Testament, which was the only Bible they had in that day. And uh, they were the ones that uh, copied it uh, because they didn't have printing presses and whatnot. And so if there was gonna be a copy, a scroll, let's say, of the prophecy of Isaiah in your uh, local assembly where, where you met, then it would be a scroll and it would have been copied by a scribe. And so they were sort of the experts on the Old Testament. Um, in um, verse number three, it says, he spake this parable unto them, saying, I thought, what am I going to use for an S for the parable that he spoke? Well, um, in my Bible program on my computer, I have 16 translations. And uh, I can click on any verse, and it'll show that verse in all 16 different translations. And the YLT, instead of using the word parable, called it a simile. And I thought, that's my S. I wasn't that good in English in school, so I had to go to the dictionary to look up what a simile is. Now, you all know what it is, but English was just about my worst subject in both high school and college. And So I looked it up, and it said, it's a figure of speech in which two unlike things are explicitly compared. I thought, well, that's going to work real good for this, because Jesus here is speaking about two unlike things, and they're explicitly compared, as you'll see as we move on. Okay, now the sinners and publicans, the tax collectors, do need to hear Jesus. Uh, the NAS has listened to him. Uh, the scribes and these Old Testament experts and Pharisees, and the Pharisees, by the way, were, uh, I was reading in our quiet time, uh, where Dr. Davis said, that the Pharisees were basically the heads or the equal to our pastors of local synagogues in those days. Uh, And um, so that'll give you a little idea of who they were. And uh, uh, they were the critics that came here and I needed an S for them. So I looked at some of the commentaries and Charles Spurgeon called them spies. So I thought, there's my S. Yes. That'll make good in my outline. So, um, but that's, we've seen why the folks were there to hear Jesus. But I wanna ask the question, why are you here today? Why did you come to church on this day? What was your motive for coming? Uh, I hope it was sincerity. You got the S, <clears throat> okay. I hope it was sincerity that you sincerely want to know the word of God and you sincerely want to know what God is saying to you and what he wants in your life, what he wants you to know and what he wants you to do and how he wants you to respond to him and his word. Well, uh, some say uh, there are three parables here as uh, we go on and uh, read in verse 3, it says, he spake this parable unto them. Now, I'm in no position to argue with any of the commentators, but it seems to me it's one parable, because it says he spake this parable, and the subject of all three parts of this is the same. It is the lost. I know that doesn't begin with an S, I'm sorry, but that does seem to be what the subject is of all the three parts of this parable. And so you may want to make a note of that. Um, and the first one we see in, in verse number four, where Jesus says to them, What man of you, having an hundred sheep? Anybody here have any sheep? I'll put my hand down. I don't have any sheep. But um, I don't know much about sheep. I've never had any sheep. The only sheep I've ever seen in the presence of a shepherd were in California, Southern California, in in a town called Palmdale. Uh, My youngest daughter and her husband were missionaries of the Word of Life, and they were assigned to Southern California, the Los Angeles area, and they lived in Palmdale. And on the outskirts of Palmdale was a flock, that's what you call them, you don't call them a herd I think, a flock of sheep and there was a shepherd and a dog there. And uh, he had an automobile uh, but I'm sure this shepherd back here didn't um, but it was, it was interesting that he, he and his dog were just walking around this field and uh, allowing the sheep to graze. Now, I didn't stay there all day to see what they did at night. I don't know what they did at night. But that was the only occasion I've ever had to see a shepherd. And uh, here he speaks of someone who must have been a shepherd or, or a farmer who had sheep. And he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep? Sounds like a pretty good flock to me. And uh, of course, we think of David in the Old Testament who was a shepherd. And it says, if he lose one of them does he not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it? Now, um, the shepherd, it seems to me, has single-mindedness. Yes. And I, I think that's Good thing for a shepherd. I think that's a good thing for a shepherd of people uh, known as pastors. And he was concerned about every one of his sheep. And one was missing. There were only 99 and one was missing. He was so single-minded and so concerned for that one sheep that he left the 99, it says, and he went after that one sheep until, verse 4, he found it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, I think this is a great picture of Jesus. The shepherd of our souls the shepherd of our flock the over shepherd our pastors are called under shepherds i think it's a wonderful picture of what he did for me if you've trusted the lord jesus christ as your personal savior then i think he did the same for you he found me i was lost i was away from the fold I didn't know what you had to do to be a Christian. I just thought, you know, maybe if you read the Bible, and back in those days, we read it in school every day, public school, that if you read the Bible and if you believed it and you did the best you could do and just tried to be a good person and you had more of those good person acts than the bad person acts, uh, that... um, You'd probably make it. Well, I found out that's that's not true. I found out that it takes more than works and more than going to church and more than reading the Bible. I found out that it requires a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I found that out one day when I went to church, and I was not a churchgoer, those of you that know me have heard me say this before, uh, but uh, my roommate in college my, in my freshman year, and the fellow across the hall, used to get in arguments about the Bible. Well, I hate to miss a good argument, but I didn't know much about the Bible. I mean, I believed the Bible, I just didn't know what it said. If you'd asked me if I believed it, I'd said Yes. You'd ask me if I was a Christian, said, sure, I live in the United States. I'm a Christian. But I wasn't. Well, I wanted to know more about the Bible, so I wrote to what was then C.S. Roebuck, a mail order house, and ordered a Bible, and it came and I started reading it. Every night before I went to sleep, I'd lay in my bed and unzip my little Bible and start reading it. Didn't know where to start, but just picked a place and started. Thought if you want to know what the Bible says, you ought to go to church. So I lived, uh, my house, where my parents lived, was not where the college was, it was about oh, 45 minutes away, but I went home on weekends, and so I walked up the main street in this little town in New Hampshire. I think I had to pass seven houses with my little C.S. Roebuck Bible, and I knew everybody that lived every one of those houses, and somehow I thought, they're all looking out the window at me. So, and <laughs> said. Howard Bowen's going up the street with a Bible to church. And I don't know that they were, but I just, you know, you have that feeling sometimes. And um, I don't remember how many Sundays, maybe, I, I don't know, whether it was three or four. And one Sunday, the pastor gave a straightforward gospel message from the book of Romans. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. He didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. I knew that. But what I didn't understand was, Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death. Separation, a great uh, synonym for, for death is separation. And in this case, it meant separation from God. And I was born separated from God. I was born dead spiritually. But at the age of 19, in uh, 1980, no. Yeah, what honey, what year was it, honey? Help me. Um, let's see. I was nineteen years old. I was born in 1936, 46. Must have been fifty four. Nineteen fifty four. Um, I responded to that gospel message that morning. I understood that Jesus died for me personally. I I knew what Easter and Good Friday were. You know, he died and he rose again, but it never, it never hit me personally until that day. And that day I understood that when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty of death for every one of my sins, which were many. But that if I would put my personal faith and trust in him and believe what he did on the cross for me, then I would be saved born again become a true christian become a member of the family of god and it happened on that day the pastor gave that message and he said if you would trust the lord jesus as your personal savior would you come forward when we sing the closing hymn and uh, my father and mother and i were sitting over there and my father and i got up and came forward um, along with five other people one of which is sitting right over there in the front row I like to say I met my wife at the altar. She was a new girl in town. She'd gone to a denominational church where they did not preach the gospel, and uh, there was no such church in this town, so she went to the Baptist church, and uh, she likewise, along with her sister, came forward, and we were saved that day, came to know Christ as our Savior. That's almost how we met. I like to say we met at the altar. Well, I kind of got off my outline a little bit to give you a testimony there. But um, one of the translations that I looked at on this said that he went after the sheep until he found it. Very serious about that. And um, then we look down and uh, we read in number seven. okay. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. One of the translations said, had a change of heart. I thought, that's really what it is, isn't it? Okay, repenteth, or had a change of heart. And uh, so we we look at the sheep, but, but really the application here is not for sheep. The application here is for people. Verse 10 says, Likewise I say unto you, there's joy in heaven in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And uh, then if we look back up uh, in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Repentance. Now, I get the picture of a a salvation party in heaven when that happens. And uh, maybe, I don't know whether you listen to any of the Gaither people or not, but uh, they sing about that and uh, having a party. And uh, I have to be careful with my New England accent that that doesn't come out uh, different than that. Um, But anyway, and uh, you'll notice there... Also, in verse 7, it says, uh, heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And um, I kind of said, well, what does that mean, just? And um, I thought, what that really means is self-righteous people. think they need no repentance. And there were a whole bunch of them standing there in the scribes and Pharisees. They thought, we're okay. You know, we're the upper crust. We're the religious people. We don't need repentance. But in fact, they did. Jesus went on, and in verse number 11 said a certain man had two sons i can identify with that i have two sons and three daughters the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divided unto them his living well i put on the s for that is a self-centered son and um that's what the younger son was. Um, he was thinking of himself. He said, Dad, I don't, want you to, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my part of the estate now. And um, he thought of himself first. And not his father, and not God, but himself. And... Um, Who do I think of first? I ask myself the question, who do you think of first? Well, much of the time I think of myself first and not God. And uh, I find myself, as I have my quiet time each day, uh, confessing that sin. Saying, Lord, I thought of myself first here and here and here, and not my wife, not others, and not you, but myself. And that's a sin. And that was the sin of this son. And uh, there was an older son. Now, according to Old Testament tradition, the oldest son would get two-thirds of the estate and the youngest son would get one-third. And so the youngest son said, I'm out of here, Dad. I, I want my third. And um, I can't take the property with me. But I want some cash to take with me. And so it says that he took off. And uh, got to find my verse. Verse 11. Okay. Um, and I'm in the wrong chapter. No wonder I can't find it. Verse 11, he said... Uh, the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance in riotous living. Um, the used for that was... Uh, Sinful lifestyle. Far away from home. Is my father pleased with my lifestyle? I mean, my heavenly father. My earthly father is in heaven, but my heavenly father, is he pleased with my lifestyle? He was not pleased with this son's lifestyle far away, and uh, he was living a sinful lifestyle. And notice in, in verse number 14... And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, this is about, another S, this is about the most shameful thing I can think of, of a Jewish boy out in the pig pen feeding the pigs. Uh, If you know anything about uh, Jewish culture, uh, you know that uh, they don't have anything to do with pigs or pork. And um, so he's uh, in a sinful lifestyle, he's got a shameful job, and um, I wonder is my job and is my lifestyle pleasing to my heavenly Father? That's a question I asked myself as I saw that. As I look in verse number 16, I see here uh, that he was uh, the, the uh, uh, tough time in the, in the country then was having its impact. And he would fain have filled his belly with the hush that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He was starving, spiritually and physically, Is my daily food God's word? Or am I feeding off the hush of the world? Maybe you need to ask yourself that question. Well, as we look on here in verse number 17, it says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread and enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. <clears throat> well, he changed his selfless heart into a servant's heart. Have you read the book, or have you heard of the movement I Am Second? That begins with an S. That would fit pretty good there. And uh, he had that attitude. He repented. And um, if you read on now into verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Why do you think his father saw him when he was a great way off? I think he saw him because he was looking for him. Um, I remember Paul Buber preaching on this and saying that he, he looked down the road every time a new person came down that road and said, Lord, could that be him? And as the person got closer, he said, no, Lord, that's not him. Maybe the next one. And then he saw this one coming and said, could that be him? He said, no, I, I don't think that's him, because he was a tall, stalwart young man, and this man coming is bent over, and, and he's got shaggy clothes on, and yet there's something about him that looks familiar. And sure enough, it was him. And the father rejoiced, and he was so, so pleased to see him. You'll notice that the young man didn't get his speech out that he prepared. He had already what he was going to say to dad, but dad overwhelmed him with his love and uh, never, got, never got his speech out. And, you know, we may not get our, our words verbalized to God, but God knows our heart. And if we have a repentant heart and we have a heart that loves God, God knows that. We don't have to talk to him, although we should. But God knows our heart. Well, <clears throat> I can, I can uh, identify with that father. For my youngest son, uh, when he was a student at Word of Life Bible Institute, turned away from God and went his own way. And uh, that was a heartbreaking experience for us as parents. Matter of fact, Jeanette said, if you, if you x-ray my heart even today... You'll see a a little crack in it. And uh, I'll maybe say more about that later. Um, But anyway, and and we look at verse number uh, 22 and says, But the Father said unto the servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Party time. For my son, which was dead, is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And this part of the parable, again, is about the lost. It's not so much maybe about that particular son, but it's about all of us who, without Jesus, do not have a father in heaven, and we are lost. Um. where am I in my relationship to God? Do I have a close relationship with God? And uh, am I in fellowship with my father like this wayward son was when he came back? Um, Well, we've looked at three situations. One we skipped over was the silver. It was the the sheep, and there was the sun. But there was a lady in between who uh, lost a piece of silver. And um, if you'll turn back uh, and look at verse number eight, it says, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently. I thought this is interesting, because the Lord Jesus, it doesn't say he had any women in front of him. Okay, it says he had scribes and Pharisees, and uh, that uh, he had publicans and sinners. And I don't know, maybe there could have been women tax collectors back that day, but I don't think so. But I guess with the sinners, he did encounter some women who were sinners. But salvation is not just for men, it's for women. And so he puts this this third, or really the second, uh, thing in here about this lady who had 10 pieces of silver. And um, I, I Don't know what she had them for or why, whether she was saving them. Um, Dr. Ryer in his comments on the bottom here says that that was worth about a day's wages. So she had 10 days wages worth of pieces of silver. And she lost one. And it says she swept the house and she searched diligently until she found it. Maybe uh, she had one of these headdresses that had silver coins on it, and one fell off. I heard one preacher uh, say that that was it and had something to do with the dowry of getting married maybe, uh, but it was very important to her. And she swept the house and and searched diligently uh, until she found it. And uh, when she found it, there was great rejoicing. And again, uh, Jesus said there's great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repenteth. Well, where are you today? Where am I today? Um, am I in a right relationship with God? Is the Lord Jesus Christ really my personal Savior? I mean, do I know Him in a personal way? Does God live within me in the person of the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is, is yes to all of those if I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Uh, Romans Gives us many uh, indications of our sinful condition, the Book of Romans, and uh, of our need for salvation. <clears throat> and Romans ten eight says, "But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That word is the word of faith which we are preaching, and that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, you will be saved." For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek or the American or the Canadian or anybody else. For the same Lord is Lord over all, abounding in riches for all who will call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can do that right here this morning if you never have called upon the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. Oh, maybe you've said, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he lived and he died on the cross and he rose again. But have you ever made it personal? Have you ever said, I believe he died for my sin. I believe that he rose again for me. And therefore, I can have a personal relationship with him. And I can have a promise of my sins forgiven. And I can have the promise of an eternal home in heaven with him forever. If you've never done that, you can do that this morning. Yes, you can do it right where you're seated there. Um, In a moment, Sandy's going to sing. And you can come forward if you'd like to and have someone speak with you. Uh, Pastor Todd. Uh, we'll be here to speak with you. I can speak with you. If you're a lady, would like someone to speak with you. Jeanette could speak with you, uh, another lady. But, oh, get your relationship right with God because your eternity depends upon it. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, uh, you mentioned that about your son. Uh, we have a child that's away from God. What, what can we do? Well, we basically discovered a couple things. One is try to keep the communications open, even though you don't approve of his lifestyle or her lifestyle, Um, even though your heart is broken over that. Try to keep the communication open and uh, bathe him or her in prayer. Uh, it was a hard experience for us. Uh, We were missionaries with Word of Life. We were helping local churches, just like this one. And here, our son at the Word of Life Bible Institute left and walked away. He called us up and said, Dad, you're going to get a call tomorrow morning that I'm missing. But I'm not missing. I'm staying with some friends off campus And I've left and I'm not going back. Well, you gotta know, we didn't get much sleep that night. And um, things didn't get better for a long time. Okay? As a matter of fact, it was 16 years. Long, long time. A lot of prayers. A lot of hurt in hearts. And. uh, The day came, however, the day came when he turned back to the Lord. The Lord gave him a wonderful wife and has given him four lovely children. Some of you know him. His name's Philip. Uh, He went back to the Word of Life Bible Institute uh, with two daughters and a pregnant wife and finished his year. Uh, matter of fact, he served as youth pastor at South Glens Falls Baptist Church for a while, and then he went on to uh, Appalachian Bible College and the pastoral course and got his degree. And uh, then pastored North Argyle Community Church for a while, and uh, is uh, matter of fact was part of this church for a while. And uh, they now live in Hartford, and um, he they go to um, Adamsville. Community Baptist Church. They changed their name not too long ago, um, and he's an elder there, and uh, I think is going to be ordained pretty soon. But uh, and by the way, he was the tender heart, most tender hearted of all our children, and still is. He calls us every day. He snow blows our driveway except yesterday when he's on vacation I'm in Virginia. I think I just lost something here, um, but. Um, Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, Continue to pray. Continue to keep the communication open. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I know Jeanette or I would be glad to do that. But uh, his relationship with God uh, is very well now. And we're very grateful for that. Uh, But again, I ask the question, where is your relationship with God? If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, or if you're struggling with something or would like someone to pray with you, um, why don't you come forward and one of us can meet you down at the front while Sandy sings. Sandy.